I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 232 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that is coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I hope everybody enjoyed their summer. I can't tell you how happy I am to be back here with you to keep this conversation about fatherhood and family life going strong. I have some incredible guests joining me this month, and today I have the honor of speaking with the first dad to return to the podcast. If you've never read Sean Parnell's book, Outlaw Platoon, then you are really missing out. He was recently a guest on Jocko Willing's podcast, telling his story and talking about his new book, All Out War, which drops today online and in bookstores everywhere. I couldn't think of a better way to kick off this new season of First Class Fatherhood than to be joined by an American hero such as Sean Parnell. He'll be here with me in a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. If you guys have been following me on social media, then you know I had the honor of spending a week at the White House with a full press pass. It was quite an awesome experience to spend some time there with all the White House correspondents and pretty eye-opening to say the least. Uh, My goal was to ask President Trump a few questions about fatherhood and family life, specifically about the fatherless crisis that we have in the United States. And it just so happens that the day after I left D.C., Baltimore became a hot topic once the president made a tweet about it. And while everyone started blaming the politicians, the economy, the racism, poverty, and everything else for Baltimore's problems, nobody seemed to mention the fact that 70% of the teenagers in Baltimore are living without a father in the home, according to the U.S. Census. And wherever we see a community with high levels of crime, drug use, gangs, violence, and all of that, you will definitely see a high percentage of fatherless households. Dads matter families matter. So what I will do here is continue to shine the spotlight on fatherhood and bring on high profile men who have accomplished greatly in their lives and allow them to talk about how awesome and fulfilling it is to be a dad. I would also like to ask you guys to please share this podcast with any father that you know, but especially to anybody that you know that is about to become a father for the first time. They will benefit greatly from all the testimonials about fatherhood from the archives of the show. And I did pick up a new sponsor of the podcast over the summer, and all of you guys can benefit from our partnership. Manscaped is supporting First Class Fatherhood, and Manscaped is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. I mean, let's be honest, guys. There was a big need in the market of shaving the family jewels, and the father and son team of Manscaped took their products into the shark tank and scored a half a million dollar deal with some of the sharks. Uh, They sent me their top of the line products, including their waterproof electric trimmer. And this thing is awesome. You're going to hear me talking about it and many of their other products during the month. And first class fatherhood listeners can save 20% on manscaped.com. Plus you get free shipping by using my promo code FATHER. All right, tomorrow on the podcast, WWE superstar Titus O'Neil will be here. And for NFL opening day on Thursday, Super Bowl winning quarterback and first class father Trent Dilfer will be joining me. So let's go, dads. Help me spread the word about first class fatherhood, fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'll be right back with first class father Sean Parnell. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. You are going to hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to consider becoming a sponsor of First Class Fatherhood, please hit me up with an email, firstclassfatherhood at gmail.com. 
All right, joining me now is a first-class father. He is a New York Times best-selling author. He is a former Army Ranger, a combat veteran, a Purple Heart recipient, and a true American hero. It is a big honor for me to say, Sean Parnell, welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Hey, it's great to be back. Second year in a row, man. Yeah, it's an honor. You are the first repeat father to join me on the podcast here. It's quite an honor. That is, that is quite an honor, man. I have watched you over the year, like, you know, Bust your bust your butt to make this podcast what it is, and and it it really is the only game in town. I feel like in terms of uh, you know elevating and elevating the father, the role of the father in the family. And so you've just done an amazing job. It's an honor to be back. I love being with you, and I love seeing what you're doing, and I love watching you grow. Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, you know, I'm trying to get after it here and keep pushing the envelope, uh, trying to change the narrative on fatherhood <laughs> and family life. Uh, how old are the kids now? What grades are they heading into? Okay, so Ethan, my oldest, is going into fifth grade, and he's 10. Uh, Emma is my middle. She's going into third grade, and she's eight. And Evan is my youngest. He's six, going into first grade. Their first day of school is Monday, and so you know how that is. Like, the lead-up to school is just, just chaotic and crazy and haircuts, and they make got to make sure their uniforms are sized right. It's it's chaos, but it's, it's fun. It's fun to see them grow and, and you know, it's like, you know what's so crazy? Uh, you know what's so crazy, man? It's like, I, I take a picture of them with me, uh, before every school year and, you know, every weekend before they start school, I go back and look at those pictures and I'm just like, it's amazing, you know, how fast they grow, uh, from one year to the next. And you hear all the time, uh, people say, oh, you know, I'm not my grandma, man. They're like, oh, just, you know, you guys are growing up so fast. And it's, you know, it's sort of cliche, but I know why she says it now because it's true. It's like, just looking back, even just a year, it's amazing how fast kids grow, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's one of the things just about being a dad and just about being a parent and in general, just understanding now, like, oh, now I get where my mom was coming from, where my dad was coming from. You start to get it a little more. It makes a little bit more sense. The picture becomes more clear. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. And I look back and I was, I mean, I was, uh, I was a real pain. You know, I was tough on my dad. I was tough <laughs> on my mom. And and, and uh, my parents used to tell me when I was in my early 20s, like as a young Army lieutenant, it's like, you know, eventually you're going to have your own kids someday. And, you know, the, hey, karma's a thing. You know, one of those kids is going to be just like you and is going to hassle you just like you hassled us. And, boy, is that true. My oldest is, um, he's he's, all of my kids are like, the best thing that ever happened to me uh but my oldest is really he's he's a lot like me and, and like he's 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 challenging he's challenging in a good way you know and, and it's just it gives me perspective on what my parents were going through uh trying to raise me and be there for me uh as a kid too so it's crazy sometimes how things come full circle like that yeah, well said. And, and yeah, talk about time going fast. We feel like we have all summer to get like the school supplies and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden it's all jammed in. Oh, wait a minute. It starts next week, you know? So yeah, we have to. Man, you know, that makes me mad. Like, you know, this is another thing that like really, really gets me going because, you know, God, man, it seems like summer gets shorter and shorter every year. My kids are going back August 26th to school. Um, and I think the year before that it was after Labor Day. You know, and so that boy doesn't this speak to something like my kids probably have two hours of homework every night. And again, you know how old they are; they're all under they're all under ten, and so they're in school for eight hours a day. Then they come home and they do two hours of homework every night. And if they play a sport, like they've got that on their plate too. At what point do these kids get to just like sort of let their hair down and relax a little bit and be kids? You know, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely a uh, change up. Now, did you kids? Did you have any uh, summer reading books that they had to do? I know I've done from Judy Moody's in a movie oh. to the Maze Runner with my guys. You know what? Uh, 
first of all, my kid, my, my daughter, she's read Judy Moody. She has her whole series, uh, the Maze Runner. Like, I am reading the Maze Runner to her now. That's something that I do every night. So when I read to my kids every night, and my daughter and I are reading the Maze Runner now, man, that's a really cool book. She really digs it. But, yeah, my oldest has – he's got some homework. He's got a book he's got to read over the summer. And, it's, and he has to not just answer, like, multiple-choice questions, but he has something like 25 – questions about the book that he has to do prior to going back to school and again i'm i'm i don't like that i wish that like i feel like in the summer these kids are so overscheduled during the school year i just wish that in the summertime they just gave the school gave them a chance to relax because if they did that i feel like kids would be would would absorb information and be more motivated to learn than they are when they go back i feel like sometimes these kids go back to school and they're just utterly smoked you know yeah, that, um, and re- and reading to the kids is a lot more fun than reading with them. When 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 they're just learning to read, it takes a heck of a lot of patience to sit there and listen to them sound out each and every syllable. So it, uh, the books get longer and longer when you're sitting there when they're just in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, you know it's funny, man. Like it, uh, like when my kids were young and still learning to read, uh, one of the, that was my big thing. Like you know, I want them to read me a book. You know, you hear so often about how oh, parents read to their kids every night and how it's important, and it absolutely is. It really is. Um, but I, you know, when my kids were learning to read, it was like, Hey, you're going to read to dad tonight, you know? And what's cool is that sort of became our battle rhythm, so to speak. You know, we get home, they get home from school, they relax, like they go and get into the bedtime routine. And at first it was them reading to me until they were really comfortable with reading. And then it was them picking on a book that we would read together. And so, um, you know, I, I selfishly, like, you know, my kids, like, I feel like too, they're not excited to go back to school. I mean, they might be excited to go back and see their friends on a, on a regular basis, but I feel like every kid's kind of like, uh, when they got to go back to school. But I am excited because, you know, it gets us back on that routine where we're reading together every night and spending quality time together every night. Like, summer just is chaotic, man. I mean, I feel like you're all, all over the map in the summer all the time, so it'll be nice to get things settled back down again for the school year. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we, we, my wife and I feel the same way here. At least it brings a little bit more structure. It's like a free for all, like you said there in the summertime. Anything goes. It is for sure. All right. Well, talking about books today is a big day for you as an author. It's the second Eric Steele novel. It drops on us today. All Out War. Uh, it's a follow up to what was just really a, a kick ass fictional debut for you with Man of War. What can you tell us about All Out War, and where can we find it? Well, I mean, so you can buy All Out War anywhere books are sold, and I would greatly appreciate it if you did. You know, I mean, anytime I sell a book, it helps support my family. So, and that's what I do for a living. Um, but, you know, uh, this book, I think, is, is more, ma- it's, it's a little bit more like everybody can pick it up and read it. It's less of a military thriller and more of a mainstream thriller. Um, you know, my first book, Eric Steele, the book starts off with Eric Steele in Beirut, and then he's, he's in Syria, he's in Tunis, he's all over the world. This book, his, he, he's all over the world as well. Uh, but he gets he Eric Steele gets attacked at home and his mother gets hurt so it, it's like sort of something that we can all identify with you know you know we all have a, you know to a certain extent we all have a mom right and and so you know I feel like the you know these books for me you know are an opportunity to just uh, reason why they're important to me is they're an opportunity to continue to capture the legacy of my soldiers at first I did it without opportunity just trying to get their story on the page right and then. Um, over time, I just realized how few Americans are connected to people who serve, right? And there's something to those who raise their right hand and volunteer to serve. It's like about putting country before yourself, putting your family uh, before yourself, putting so many things, serving something greater than yourself. And so, you know, I just felt called to write a character, a main character, a hero uh, that embodied those qualities, man. And so, you know, I, I wanted kids to be able to read read these books and and 
know what it means to serve something greater than yourself, understand, you know, what makes American warriors tick, duty, honor, country, selflessness, loyalty, integrity. All those things are so important. Uh, but I also think that all those things are lacking in mainstream entertainment today, you know. And so that's what you get when you get these books. You get it. You get an awesome story. The hope is, is that, you know, read an action-packed, cool, fun story, but you also get a hero that, that you can be comfortable that if, if your kids are going to read, you know they're going to come away learning the right things. And so I, I think that's important, you know? Yeah, and we definitely, you're right, we definitely need those characters right now. We need those stories in our country, especially for our young, uh, you know, men and women together here. And, you know, I read Outlaw Platoon and Man of War, and it's almost, Outlaw Platoon in many ways it seems almost more unrealistic than Man of War. It's just <laughs> insane what, what, what happened there. Um, is Outlaw Platoon or is the Eric Steele, uh, I know I've seen a few people ask you this on social media, um, is there anything in the works to turn either Outlaw Platoon or um, Man of War, the, the Eric Steele series, into a movie or a TV series? Yes, yes, there is on both accounts, you know, both Outlaw Platoon and, and Eric Steele and the Man of War franchise, the Eric Steele franchise, are being looked at by, you know, producers out in Hollywood, out in L.A., but, you know, it's treacherous, it, it's that process is so long, so painstaking. It's like, it's one of those things, man, that you have to like knock on the door until your knuckles bleed. And if the door doesn't open, you have to kick it in. Uh, but at the same time, you have to be patient and allow things to develop. And so Outlaw Platoon has been out for six years. It's with, it's, it's in good hands right now. Uh, and we're trying to see if we can make it into a mini series. And I think Eric Steele, you know, it, that's that's better formatted to do you know be on the big screen. So hopefully hopefully we get some bites on that stuff soon. Because like I said, man, like I really think it's important. I mean, you see the same things over and over again in Hollywood. Like you see things like regurgitate. Like like MacGyver was on when I was a kid. MacGyver's a show now. You have Hawaii Five O on when I was a kid. Now Hawaii Five O is on again. You're seeing Jurassic Park when I was a kid. And you're seeing it rebooted on the big screen. It's like sometimes I feel like. You know, Hollywood is, is a copycat culture. They want to regurgitate things that have already been done because they're already existing brands that people are familiar with. But at the same time, I think America is craving new content, you know, which is why places like Netflix and Amazon are crushing it right now because that's what they're doing. They're giving us new stories, new characters, new content. So hopefully we can get, you know, Eric Steele on the big screen with a new with a new fictional hero out there for that our kids can watch and be proud of. Yeah, and, and what's happened here with a lot of these things, Sean, is like you, you see that the regurgitated uh, same series with, with definitely better uh, special effects and graphics, but the storylines are just uh, not up to par. They was, the storylines were so much better years ago, but the graphics kind of failed. If they could just match those two things up together, I think they'd really have something. Oh, oh, I totally agree. And, you know, something that, something that I think is really important as well is, is our, kids, our kids need to be able to clearly differentiate between what's right and what's wrong. You know, it, it, everything in our culture today, the waters are so muddy, you know, ki kids with the whole concept of moral relativism, it's like, you know, it, it's hard for them to know, I feel like in many ways, what's right and what's wrong, you know, and I feel like it's our job as parents to help them understand that. But we also learn that uh, what's good and, and what's evil through fictional stories and movies, you know, when we were growing up, like, it, you know, when you, if you watch Disney movies, and I'm sure you have, if you have, if you have kids, Grown up, you watch Disney movies, and you know, say for example, you watch The Lion King or something like that. You know, the bad guy in The Lion King is Scar, right? Well, who who's the bad guy in Finding Nemo? 
you know, there is no bad guy in Finding Nemo. The bad guy is like some high concept. It's the journey, right? The, the father's journey to find his son. And, and I think that's laudable and that's a cool story and everything. But at the same time, our kids aren't really learning through the, that sort of mainstream entertainment, good versus evil, you know? And for God's sake, man, when we were growing up, it was like, what were the big cartoons back then? There was He-Man, there was um, uh, Thundercats, there was all these big cartoons that we had back then. G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe, good and evil, clearly differentiated, right? Today we don't have that, and that concerns me a little bit. And so that's also, you know, again, something that I'm trying to put into these books, to clear, clear dif- a clear line between good and evil and, and, and why it's important for kids to be on the side of good, you know? Yeah, definitely. And even even the, the basic things for the kids, like I know they have the movie coming out with Tom Hanks so about Mr. Rogers. And uh, I was showing my kids the preview. They, they've, they've never heard of Mr. Rogers. We don't have things like that, those kind of uh, fun educational things where he used to talk about things like how a child could be just so anxious and overwhelmed by just as simple as getting a haircut. You know, and we're, yes. we're throwing them into these things that are like way over their head sometimes. Yo, it's so true. It's so true. You know, I mean, it's funny. Like, I watched Mr. Rogers. In fact, Mr. Rogers is a is a, a Latrobe guy, you know, Western Pennsylvania. And I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, he's a Latrobe guy from Western Pennsylvania. And so I, I used to watch him as a kid growing up all the time, just small lessons about how 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 living your life and putting others first is the core of living a meaningful life. And I feel like as parents, part of our job, our duty and responsibility is teaching our kids to be selfless and teaching our kids to always put other people first, you know, uh, because again, doing that leads to meaning in regard, it leads to meaning in everything that you do, whether you, it, you know, and what, what I always try to talk to my kids, especially my oldest, is that like your career, whatever your career, whatever you decide it is that you want to do is not your calling. It's important to figure out what's, what you love, what you're passionate about, um, figure out what your calling is before you figure out what your career is and figure out if there's a way that you can braid them both together because really that's the pathway to a meaningful life. And- All right, dads. First Class Fatherhood is being brought to you today by Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They sent me their lawnmower 2.0, and I wish they had something like this years ago. I can't tell you how many times I've nicked my nuggets in the shower while shaving. And you definitely don't want to be using the same razor on your face that you're using down there on the two amigos. The lawnmower 2.0 is an electric trimmer with skin-safe technology. It's waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. So let's go, dad. Right now, First Class Fatherhood listeners are getting 20% off their entire order, plus free shipping by using the promo code FATHER. Go to manscaped.com, enter the promo code FATHER at the checkout, save 20% off, and get free shipping. Manscaped.com, promo code FATHER. All right, dads, the NFL season is now upon us, and the Major League Baseball season is winding down. There is no better time to take your kids to the ball game, and First Class Fatherhood listeners can save $20 off their tickets on SeatGeek.com by using my promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, FIRSTCLASS. Maybe you want to see a concert or a Broadway show. Save 20 bucks on the tickets on SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code FIRSTCLASS. It's a slam-dunk deal, dads. SeatGeek.com, promo code FIRSTCLASS. Fatherhood is the best seat in the house. So, and this this circles back to something that I was talking, what we've been talking about, man, is that I don't think that there is a moral component to mainstream entertainment today. I don't. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a book, a fiction book, 
that you can give to your kids that can pick up and read and, and you put the, you, and you'd feel comfortable with the, hey you know the this book is teaching my kids you know a value system that will help them be successful generous and selfless in life you know i i, I don't think I don't think that there's much out there right now in, in the terms of fictional books uh, that you can give to your kids and feel comfortable that they'll do that. Um, and so I know that, you know, with, I know my books will do that. I've made, it to, I've made it a mission of mine to make sure that those value systems are embodied by the hero. Uh, but at the same time, they're, they're, I think they're cool stories, man. I think they're cool, fun stories, you know. And so, um, you know, hey, you know, that's the dream, right? That's that's the goal is to try to get the, these books into the hands of, of the next generation to try to influence them to, uh, you know, make the right decisions and be better than we were, right? Yeah, and, and I'll tell you what, Sean, I think we see the impact in our society from this. we just seen over the summer here, uh, Baltimore came into the news, and everyone was trying to uh, point the finger out why Baltimore is doing so bad, why some of these cities, and they talk about the politics, the economy, all this stuff, but they don't mention the, the fact that in Baltimore alone, there's 70% of the teenagers there have no father in their life. I, uh, and and, we're, and we're, where we see this fatherless problem, we're seeing all the crime. We're seeing the teenage pregnancies, the drug use. It's running rampant. As the fatherless percentage goes up, so do all those other things. And what, what really bothers me about this is, is our leadership's failure to identify that as a problem. You know, um, Our leaders on both sides of the aisle uh, have really – really haven't tackled, you know, fatherless families, uh, really even haven't identified it as a problem. But you're absolutely right that, you know, there is a direct correlation between crime, drug use, uh, and fatherless families. The, the, the importance of the role of the father in a family cannot be understated, you know. And you're seeing the fallout of fatherless families in places like Baltimore, as you said. But what bothers me, again, is that our politicians just don't tackle it because it's a very complex problem to deal with. Yeah, and I think I think the, 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 root, the way to change this stuff is just like you're saying, to have more of an influential uh, dominance in stories, in books, and in movies, and in the media about celebrating the father character in the household, the father oh, character's it, role in the society. It drives me crazy. Look, what, pick out any sitcom that you want to I mean, Any sitcom that you see, the father will almost always be some bumbling idiot who's uninvolved. Right, and the Al Bundy me. type. Yeah, the, and it, yes, yes, yes. Great, well said, exactly. That's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. And it bothers me because it makes the father's role in the family seem unimportant. And... Uh, and and that, the the truth of the matter is, is the exact opposite is true. Um, and, you know, truthfully, the father's role is important, but also the father's role in conjunction with the mom is also important. So have, showing showing an uninvolved father, though, is something that really bothers me because you, you almost never see – you almost never see a mom portrayed in mainstream entertainment as, you know, an Al Bundy type. You almost never do, right? Um yeah. And so uh, this is why I appreciate so much of what you're doing because, you know, it's, it's, it's about elevating the role of the father. It's about showing how important fathers are to kids. And, and it's, it, in terms of being a good husband and being a good father, it's, it's, it's really, really, really important. I was going to say, too, on the flip side of that, too, Sean, is, is not only are we not seeing the, the, the father portrayed as a strong character – we're seeing the single guy as the guy that you want to attain to be, the guy who's sleeping with multiple women, the guy who's got no responsibility. They're making that the attainment of the male role. Yeah, you know, it is, it is so true, man, how, how, how they, they make it seem like a man, that, a man that almost abandons their family or is the rogue operator, the bad boy, is, is what is desirable. 
Um, but the, the fact of the matter is, is, is you and I both know that's not true. And, and see, this is why this is why it's so important uh, for fiction and mainstream entertainment to tackle this problem because fathers play a critical role in the family uh, and a stabilizing role in the family. And fathers can have a profound impact on the lives of their kids. And, 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 and right now we just, we just don't see that in mainstream entertainment. And, and what's, what's funny is, is that um, there are some shows like, you know, home improvement growing up, that show was wildly popular. And now Tim Allen, I can't remember it. I think he's in a show called what last man standing or something like something that. Something like that. Yeah. Where the role of the father is actually, he's actually a good father. He's involved. And it's like the number one show in the country in that in that demographic on that network, right? And so the desire to see fathers in 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 families tr- in traditional roles is there. It's just that Hollywood and mainstream entertainment doesn't give it to us, right? So I think the desire is there. People, I think people want to see it, but I don't. I think that I think that Hollywood and the people that are de- developing and designing these and creating these stories aren't giving it to us. Yeah, no, definitely. There's definitely a thirst for it. And, and let me let me bring it back, uh, you know, to your book here, All Out War, your second fictional book. Do you feel uh, more comfortable now with the process, developing the characters? What was the, the writing experience like the second go around as opposed to the first? Oh, my gosh. It, it You know, each story presents its own unique challenges. And the first story, I just remember with Man of War, I just didn't know if I could get it done. You know, halfway through, I'm like, oh, my gosh, it feels like I'm climbing Mount Everest here, uh, you know, but... I ended up putting my nose to the grindstone, get, grindstone, getting that story done, and then it was met with some success. So I got an opportunity to write another one, and so I knew that I wanted to write a simpler, tighter, faster story, and that's what I did in All Out War. But man, I got to tell you, man, it, it, every stories are just so it's so hard to tell a good story. You know, it's an art form in and of itself, and so it was challenging. But I think in many ways better than the first book, you know, because it's it's more. I think it's more engaging. I think it's uh, mainstream readers will be able to pick it up and identify with the main character more, um, you know, because you get to meet his mom and his mom's a core part of the story. And, you know, we all have a mom. And so, and so, yeah, I, the goal, I guess, as a writer is to get better every time. You know, I think that all out war is better than man of war. And I think people, you know, the reviews so far of all out war, I mean, are better than Man of War, and it's just like, you know, I just hope that with each story that I write, this gets better and better and better, you know, and so, fingers crossed, I hope people enjoy it, I think that they will, um, and like I said, I'm in the process of writing a third Steel book now, too, which is just crazy, you know, so, um, you don't get much of a break as a writer, especially when you're put turning these books out one a year, um, so, but like I said, the hope is just, the hope is just, you know, every story, you get a little bit better each time. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, Sean, I can only imagine, I mean, just uh, no, just from doing the podcast here while having kids, uh, trying to do something creative uh, and structured, like writing the book, do you ever get to the point where, like, you, your head is in a space where you want to take the story, and then the kid's like, hey, Dad, and then you got to go do something with them, and then you, you lose that spot. Does that happen to you as a writer? It happens all the time. Look, it's really, it's look, it's like when you're sitting down at a computer, right, your kids don't really know what you're doing, especially when they're little, little, you know, it's not like Dad's out there cutting the grass, you know? Um, where, where the kids can actually see them um, occupied with something. So, but absolutely, you know, if the kids, especially during the summer, if I'm home and I'm not traveling because I travel to probably 50 speaking engagements a year, um, you know, my kids are like, hey, let's, you know, dad, can you come do this? Can you come play? Come look at this video game or come outside and play catch with me. I almost always put the story down, stop the writing process and drop what I'm doing to play with them because I think that, you know, looking 
when as they grow and they look back on their life, those are going to be the things that they remember. I think that their kids are going to remember, like, hey, my dad always made time for me. You know, I came before my dad's work. So any time that I can, like, any time, you know, if I'm not on a serious deadline and I can feasibly just, you know, stop the writing process, get out and play with the kids for a little bit, you know, I do it. You know, because the writing can always wait. The, the work can always wait. You know, the, the kids, though, like, they grow up fast. And I want to make sure that I'm there for them when they're young and they need me the most, you know, because I want them to look back on, I want them to look back on their life with me and think that I always put them first, you know. On the flip side of that, too, like I want to be at a point later down the line where I look back and I'm, and I don't feel as if, though, I missed out on the opportunities with my kids as well, you know, looking at it from that point, too. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. A hundred percent, you know. You know, my kids, they're not going to be outside. They're not going to be this age forever, you know. I mean, my oldest, Ethan, I mean, he's he's on his way to adolescence, and pretty soon he's probably not going to think I'm all that cool of a guy, you know. <laughs> he's probably going to start rebelling against me pretty soon. And so I feel like you only get one crack at your kids, like, being there for them when they're young, you know, and showing them that you're willing to listen to them unconditionally. And you have to set that tone when they're little so that they feel comfortable talking to you about challenging things when they're adolescents. And so – Hell yeah, man. Like, I, I don't want to look back and think that I missed a second with them. Um, and I, I also want them to look back and, and, and know that I always had their backs when they needed it. Yeah, yeah, very well said. And how about now we talk about them getting older. What, what age would be comfortable with you uh, for the kids to read either Man of War and All Out War and then uh, even Outlaw Platoon? What, what age do you think you'd want them to be before they read the books? Well, I think you can. I think kids can read Outlaw Platoon from age 12 on. You know, it's a pretty no holds bar story, but. But it's true, it's history, you know? So there's, I mean, for me, it's an educational thing. It's historical, it's accurate, it's real. So it's not like just gratuitous violence for violence sake. So, you know, Outlaw Platoon is being, you know, assigned in school districts all around the country for reading, you know, in history classes. So I feel like kids can pick it up and read it from 12, 13 years old. I think Man of War, you know, um, you know, 13, 14 years old, easily. I mean, you could easily read it. Like my main character, like he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't drop any F-bombs or do anything like that. You know what I mean? He's just a good example. And so, you know, I mean, those, the stories themselves can be sort of no holds bar, you know. Um, but I feel like 13 years old is, is plenty old enough to read those books. Okay, very cool. And, and I'll tell you what, obviously the political scene we have in our country is a nightmare here. But I'm <laughs> glad to see... I'm glad to see so many veterans are now getting involved, throwing their hat into the ring. Is there is that any possibility for you to ever get into that realm, or is that something that's way off your radar? You know, pe- people have asked me about it, man. You know, and the thing is, is that, like, what I always tell people is that I don't need a, a title, whether it's a rank in the military or a political title to serve this country. You know, I'm going to continue advocating for what I believe is best, uh, the best, best path for this country. Like, I took an oath to protect and defend it defend the constitutions and I always will do that. Um as far as what the future holds, running for any sort of political office, I mean you know, I try to move through life without blinders on, man. So um if I'm not gonna write off anything. I mean if 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 I get the opportunity to run for a political office and if it's the right thing for my family, you know, um, you know, maybe I'll maybe I'll consider doing it. But right now it's like I got three little kids that, that I need to be involved in their lives every day. You know, if I ran for a political office and I end up becoming a congressman or something someday, I'd see him like two, three days a week, you know, and that's right now, it's just it's not acceptable to me. So, 
I've got to be there for them first. Um, but if I get the opportunity down the line, who knows, man? Uh, although, although I have to say the idea of like being in Congress or running for the Senate does make me sick to my stomach because I feel like the moment you're elected, you're almost part of the problem. And so that's why I always <laughs> say, man, that's why I always say like I can serve the country. I can advocate for the things that I believe in and what I believe is best for the country without a title. And I'll always continue to do that. Yeah, so cool. Yeah, all right. And, and All Out War drops today here. What type of uh, appearances are you going to be making? Anywhere we could be uh, uh, seeing you coming up soon here? Yeah, well, you could probably you could probably go back and stream my appearance on Fox and & Friends, and then I'll probably be on Martha McCallum later in the week. Um, and you can look at me. Like I'll be on a couple other podcasts and stuff. You check my social media, you know, at, on Twitter at Sean Parnell USA, Instagram, official Sean Parnell, and you can check me out on Facebook, and all my appearances will be there. Okay, very cool, and I'm going to include a link in the description of this podcast episode so my listeners can just tap the link, get over there, grab a copy. I do see you have that TK dedication book. Is that something special there? Are we going to let the cat out of the dog with that or what? So the dedication, the dedication for All Out War is to anyone that's ever donned a uniform in defense of this country. Uh, our military and first responders, the book All Out War is dedicated to you. Oh, okay, very cool. All right. Uh, last thing I want to hit you with here, Sean, I, I love to ask all the dads I get on the podcast. This is your second go around, so uh, we'll see what you got here. What type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? You know, just be there for your kids. You know, right now, like, like your kids need you now more than ever as a father, and you need to be, you need to be active uh, and not detached, involved and not detached. And so, you know, don't be afraid, you know, to sit down and talk to their children. Really talk to and develop a relationship with your kids. Uh, talk to them about what they love, what they hate, you know, what they're afraid of, um, what, you know, it's just developing a relationship with your children is everything. You don't get a second crack at it. So work just as hard on that. Work just as hard on developing a relationship as you would in your job. And I feel like if you do that, it'll pay off dividends, uh, you know, 10, 20 years down the line as you watch your kids grow. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. It's been an honor to have you back on the podcast here, Sean Parnell. You're a first-class father, and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of time on first-class fatherhood. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate being back, and hopefully we'll be back for a third year. Yeah, hey, I'd be honored to have you back for a three-peat here. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today. I'll be right back with a couple of closing thoughts in just a second here. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I have to give a special thank you once again to Sean Parnell for giving me a few minutes of his time here. It was so awesome. Uh, please make sure you grab a copy of his new book, All Out War. Tomorrow on the podcast, WWE superstar Titus O'Neil will be here. And Thursday for NFL opening day, Super Bowl winning quarterback Trent Dilfer joins me on the podcast. So let's go, dads. We're just getting started here. There's a ton of great content heading your way. Please share this podcast with every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list. Let them know about the show that is celebrating fatherhood and family life. That's all I got for you guys today. Thank you so much for tuning in to First Class Fatherhood. I'm Alec Lace. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first-class fathers. Your half-truths and tales As tall as a tree's I saw feelings so